Hey everybody, it's Dr. Todd here, and today we are we have a, a great uh, kind of get together here with Dr. Kurt Wohler, who's a, an osteopathic doctor and autism specialist. Dr. Wohler, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my gosh, well, I've been, uh, been around a long time. I've been working in the autism world for probably going on 24 years now, and and what I mean by autism, that also is going to include you know kids teenagers, adults who deal with other kind of special needs issues, attention deficit, attention deficit hyperactivity, sensory processing, language problems. So a lot of that kind of gets lumped together. I mean, I see a huge bulk of my practice of kids with just kind of straight autism. But again, there's a that spectrum of issues that we know in being integrative and functional medicine physicians, we're not so much entirely focused on the diagnosis. We're trying to figure out what, what's going on functionally, what's going on underneath that biologically that could be contributing or causing these types of things. Uh, I'm also an osteopathic physician, a fully licensed phys physician here in the United States. I've been doing integrative and functional medicine since the beginning, really. So I work with people with autoimmune issues, neurological problems, mental health, chronic digestive problems, and do a lot of nutritional medicine. I'm also the developer of, I developed an entire course for practitioners through Great Plains Laboratory for their organic acids test program. I also have my own online uh, integrative medicine academy, which is, offers courses in integrative and functional medicine for healthcare practitioners. And then I have a ton of resources for parents and other caregivers of special needs individuals that would include autism, ADD, ADHD, et cetera. We could talk about some of those as we get into this discussion. So yeah, mm -hmm. just a myriad of things. For sure. For sure. No, no, that's great. And you know, one of the big things that we talk about a lot is kind of those lifestyle roles. So, so in your opinion, you know, how much do you feel that that food, that lifestyle, that environment, and by environment, I'm even talking about those those molds and toxin exposures, how much do you feel those types of things really are um, you know, playing a big part in a lot of the behaviors and the symptoms that you see in the population that you work with? Oh my gosh, it, it, it plays a huge role. And, you know, it, it, it takes a while to sort of sift things through when you're trying to talk about environmental exposures. But because you can have environmental, right, chemicals, heavy metals, mold, so this stuff outside our body, and then there's things that clearly manifest with inside our body, mm -hmm. whether that's organisms that live in our digestive tract, like candida and bacteria that produce their own toxins, or just imbalances that occur within our body from nutritional deficiencies or food sensitivities. So they play a significant role. Yes, genetics plays a role, but a lot of times when we're talking about these chronic health issues, there's too much emphasis on genetics. You know, genetics will, you know, they have an influence, but then there's the epigenetic factors. There's all of these other factors that um, we have to account for. So they play a significant role and that's the, the beneficial thing as all of us, right? As health, as doctors, and then just everybody else, there's so much that we can do to improve our health. That's not only our physical health, but our mental health, our brain nervous system health mm -hmm. that can improve function. And so that's ultimately what we're trying to do is optimize our potential, 
and improve function on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And whether that's nutritionally, whether that's lifestyle, whether that's improving sleep, huge significant factors. Right, right. One of the things that we talk about a lot is uh, kind of looking for these triggers. And, and that very rarely is it one trigger, but it's, it's a compounding effect of lots of triggers leading into these behaviors and symptoms. And no, 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 that's, that's great. Now, one of the things that I, I oftentimes come across, and, and so certainly see if you come across this or not, is that a lot of times, um, you know, families are like, yeah, we know we need to make food changes. We know we need to make lifestyle changes. And so sometimes it is a, you know, even though we may have a, a child that has these symptoms, behaviors, and these triggers and lifestyle we need to look for, but it feels like it's a whole family. And sometimes that's too overwhelming. Um, you know, in their minds, it's too overwhelming. Like, yes, we know, but you know, he loves McDonald's type of thing. So, so what, you know, do you, do you come across that at all? And, and what are your thoughts on that when it comes to these families? Well, it's not always a, you know, it's, it's, it's not always a, an easy, an, uh, an easy answer. Mm -hmm. um, you could sit there and say it's easy, you know, just don't eat those foods, but then there's the family dynamics. And so that's, that makes things difficult and challenging but they're not impossible. Mm -hmm. So it's like anything, you have to commit to the process and you have to understand that it's critically important. You, you, know, mm -hmm. you think about it, if you had a child who is diabetic, you wouldn't make any excuses <laughs> about what they could and couldn't eat. Right. You know, it's like, you need to eat these things and not these things, otherwise their diabetes is gonna get worse. Right. If they had heart disease, if they had some other kind of serious chronic illness. Well, what makes attention deficit and ADHD or autism any different, right? You can't see it, right? It's not like this, you know, it's not, shouldn't show up on a blood work, but it's still just as important um, or really just as potentially damaging for that particular individual long-term within their life. Mm -hmm. So we have to take the same level of dedication that we would have for these other types of illnesses and apply it to these special needs types of diagnoses. The same thing with supplements. I run into this all the time. You know, here is a list of supplements that we know are beneficial, whether that's essential fats, mm -hmm. whether that's B vitamins, magnesium, all of these amino acids, all of these things that we know are incredibly necessary for proper brain function, for attention, for focusing. But sometimes, they get de-emphasized because they're not a prescription item, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so people think, well, it's just a supplement. It's like, no, it's critical because it's a key component of how your body normally works and you're deficient in that. It's actually more important than many times certain medications are because the medication is just treating a symptom. We're trying to improve underlying function. So I think at some point you have to, you know, meet the challenge, understand it's challenging, but let go of the excuses. No, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, and, and with that being said, I know a lot of times there is, um, uh, you know, I always call this kind of the name and blame game. They're, they're either trying, there's so much time and energy spent in trying to name the condition or blame the condition. Like it was uh, some sort of trauma, which absolutely trauma plays a big role, but you know, there's so much time and energy put into that 
for the idea that there'll be this name, this diagnosis, and then there'll be this treatment. And, you know, maybe it's a, a magic pill of some sort, which, you know, I, I see that a lot in, in the anxiety groups that we work with. So, you know, you brought up a good point of how, you know, there's, there's that and you're managing the symptoms, but there's also the underlying function. And so, you know, how much does helping, you know, not only um, improve, but in support. And what I'm getting at is that there's a long-term effects to everything. And so how important do you think mm -hmm. it is to hit that, you know, hey, let's improve function from the inside out. And what's the long-term? Because we know the long-term effects of, you know, the third grader with ADHD or the sixth grader with anxiety or the freshman and with uh, depression, but the long-term effects, how important do you feel that making these changes now are in the long-term? Well, now is the, the, the critical time, mm -hmm. right? Because typically things don't get better down the road if you just ignore them. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things about conventional medicine, and I'm, I come from that world, and there's certainly value to a diagnosis, mm -hmm. but a lot of times some people think that you completely understand the condition or what led to the condition just by getting a diagnosis. There's a lot of diagnoses out there that the treatments are the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably know this, how many dermatological conditions uh, sometimes come back with the same treatment? Here's a, here's a prescription for steroids. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, that's symptomatic relief and that can help. But we have to, when you're talking about kids, there's a critical window of time to intervene because the brain is developing quickly, they're physically developing quickly, and things can get set in place. Yes, there is what's called plasticity in brain development. It's not a, you know, once you reach a certain age, it's not as though things are completely static, but they are more difficult to change or influence sometimes down the road. And the reality is, as kids get older, and they become teenagers and then young adults, it's much more difficult to intervene because they have their own lives, they have their own wants and desires. When they're smaller, you have more control over what they consume, what they're exposed to mm -hmm. from an environmental standpoint, from a dietary standpoint. So when you can intervene with kids, it's generally easier than when they are older. Mm -hmm. And yes, kids, some kids don't like a diet change and some kids don't like to take their supplements, but you know what? I mean, we're the adult, they're the kid, they gotta, you know, they gotta follow the instructions. I mean, we all had to in some way or another in our lives. Right, um, no, absolutely, go so, ahead, I'm sorry. And, and so I think the thing, that's what's key. And so to me, I'm kind of like you in that I really firmly believe and know that for the vast majority of us, our the physical structure of our body, the, the, our biochemistry, our metabolic systems are all geared to work in a certain way. And, and ultimately for most of us work very well. Mm -hmm. But when we start incorporating food that is unhealthy for us, that triggers allergies, that triggers inflammation, it can cause things to go sideways. When we don't get the necessary nutrients, things don't work appropriately. Our brain function is just as dependent on those as our heart, as our immune system, as our digestive system. And so there's many nutrients that really help to improve overall brain function, which improves language and cognition and eye contact and attention. 
these aren't deficiencies of medications. We're not deficient in Ritalin, right? We're deficient in many nutrients that help our brain work in a certain way. The other thing is there's, there's toxic foods. For many, for many kids, and the same could be said of teenagers and adults who have attention problems or even hyperactivity issues, many times neurochemically, some of the artificial colors and flavorings in food will trigger these, these aberrant type of behaviors and the inability to focus. But food reactions from an immune system standpoint can do that well because they can trigger inflammation in the brain that can affect those centers of attention or those centers of language or eye contact. Mm -hmm. There's another interesting thing about food, particularly of dairy and wheat. So gluten, for example, which is a component of wheat and casein, which is a component of cow dairy, there's protein structures in those foods that can have a drug-like effect on the brain. So they're called glutamorphin and casomorphin compounds. And they actually have an opiate structure. And so they can interact with opiate receptors in the brain and nervous system and affect attention, affect focusing. So there's all of these potential chemical interactions that can happen with foods that can affect things biochemically in the brain. Mm -hmm. We can get around that by doing some identification types of tests where we do food sensitivity testing or what are called peptide tests that analyze these different chemical reactions. But ultimately, to kind of get back to the, the premise here is improving the quality of food, improving the diversity of whole natural food, mm -hmm. getting rid of a lot of the artificial and refined foods will sort of reset the body to work more appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. We always talk about, you know, with kids, you'll always see they'll start craving what makes them feel better. And that sometimes even goes into adulthood, right? <laughs> we start talking yeah. about kind of those long-term effects and, and what it is to calm the brain down. And, uh, and yeah, we, we talk about that all the time. And so, no, that's great. That's fantastic. What, um, you know, what are some things, I mean, we're certainly seeing it all through the research, about how the past year with, with COVID-19 and all of that kind of tied together, anxiety, I mean, everybody's up at a high level. And how, what are some things that you think, you know, the top three things that you believe that, that parents should really pay attention to because, you know, are the kids going to school today? Are the kids at home today? You know, there's a lot. Or am I going to work today? You know, what are some of the top things that you feel families can really focus on? Who cares about the diagnosis, but just seeing kind of that functional? What are the top three things kind of off the top of your head? I'll put you on the spot here, Doc. Lack of exercise, mm -hmm. lack of being outside, getting fresh air, getting mm -hmm. sunshine, being active in nature, and too much screen time. Yeah. So there's an interesting book called um, uh, Last Child in the Woods. It was written by a guy by the name of Richard Louvre. He was a, or is a, a naturalist. And he talked about the fact of, of the rise of, of ADD, ADHD, and other types of issues in children who are not outside in the natural world. Um, they're, they're inside, they're, they're on their screens and there's this lack of free time and just free exploration. So I'm a firm believer in that. And that's fact, that's one of the reasons we actually moved uh, to where we are now up in Oregon was to mm -hmm. actually have access to that. 
And the yeah. same thing applies, by the way, to adults. It's, it's the same thing. So um, that's a big one. And so with COVID, right, everybody being locked in and, you know, not being outside and the fear and all that, that generates, that all generates anxiety. And that also then translates not into getting enough exercise. And, and people often think that they have to join a gym and go to the gym to exercise. I mean, we live in a world now of instant access to movies, to videos. <laughs> well, there are plenty of online programs mm -hmm. that you can do and work out at home. And they, you know, they, they take really very little time. Mm -hmm. um, and you, again, it just comes down to prioritizing it. The other thing is too much screen time, and particularly for kids, you know, whether it's their phones, their iPads, their computers, um, they're addicting. And they know they change brain chemistry. They're constantly altering brain chemistry from dopamine, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think they completely start to, over time, disrupt the normal social interactions. Plus, as you know, from a negative standpoint, just all of the social media um, bombardment mm -hmm. creates a lot of negativity. That's not only happening to us as adults, but it's happening to kids of all ages. So the increased levels of anxiety, self-doubt, you know, these types of things are incredibly destructive. So we've talked, I mean, we talked to our kids about limiting screen time for sure, getting off of social media. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's the same thing of just turning the TV off, getting away from all the videos and just, you know, staring at a screen. That's just not healthy. So, I mean, those are ultimately, I think, some of the, the big ones. And then, of course, you know, the more people are at home, the more they're anxious, the more they're bored, the more they eat, you know, and they often don't eat the foods that are healthy. So, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think they're big big things to change. And of course, you know, we talk a lot about theta brainwave activity and, you know, that's certainly something that's promoted. Uh, I've seen it time and time again on EEGs where it's just that slow wave keeps getting turned up the more we stare at screens and the more we focus on those types of things. So no, no, that's, that's fantastic. That's great. One of the things that I kind of want to hit on just a little bit, we talked about the long-term effects you know, what do you see as far as, because I know you have your, your fingers in a lot, you know, this, there's this overlap of, of autism and ADD, ADHD and anxiety and depression. And what do you feel like is kind of one of the big areas of overlap with those symptoms and behaviors that are tied to those diagnoses? Would you say it's the gut? Would you say it's the immune system? Would you say it's uh, the brain? Or you know, maybe, maybe it's just all three at the same level. But you know, in your opinion and in your experience, what do you feel like is kind of the biggest domino when it comes to this huge amount of mental health diagnoses, um, you know, in my opinion, that are really just kind of categorizing a bunch of symptoms and behaviors. What do you think is the biggest domino that needs to fall in order to start to get um, you know, significant improvements or even recovery in some cases? Well, it's the gut that affects the immune system that affects the brain. Mm -hmm. And it's the gut that affects the brain. And it's the brain that affects the gut. Yeah. So all three of those mm -hmm. are important, but they don't get separated out. Our body is not separate chapters in a textbook, right? There's an interrelationship amongst everything. But the gut and the brain and the brain and the gut are huge. 
that whole gut, what's called the gut microbiome axis, that interaction. Mm -hmm. So that is an overlap for everybody. And, it, it, and in fact, it's, it is everybody. And that's whether you have ADD, autism, sensory processing, anxiety, depression, autoimmune, whatever. Okay, that relationship exists. Mm -hmm. Now, food plays a central role in that. But toxins within the gut and environmental toxins that we're exposed to, whether it's through food, air, or water, get into our body through our gut. So we have to always analyze and look at the digestive system as the, phys the main physical window to the body. Mm -hmm. That's how we get our nutrients. That's how we absorb a lot of toxins. And that's how we get rid of a lot of toxins. Let me give you an example. So, I mean, you know, as adults, right, we, we can all feel the effects of an alcoholic drink, right? Mm -hmm. you, let's say have a, a cocktail or have a couple sips of beer or wine, particularly if you don't have any food in your stomach, <laughs> almost instantaneously you'll feel it in your brain, mm -hmm. right? Because it gets absorbed, it circulates and gets into your brain. But the same thing happens with toxins that are in our digestive system, whether they've come there from food, whether the, we've, we've absorbed them or taken them in from water or drink or from organisms that live in our gut. Mm -hmm. Most people don't realize that our digestive system holds trillions of bacteria. And a lot of these bacteria are necessary to break down our food to make the vitamins and minerals that we need to get from our food absorbable. But they also play a role in our immune system. Mm -hmm. And they also play a big role now, which we know, in regulating different types of chemical signaling. On the other side of that are pathogens in, in organisms that can reside in our digestive tract that produce their own toxic compounds as part of their own metabolism. So yeast organisms, for example, candida is an example of yeast. It can produce chemicals that are known to interfere with the brain. Mm -hmm. It can interfere with certain neurochemicals in the brain. Um, other bacteria like Clostridia bacteria can produce compounds. In fact, it's interesting with Clostridia, there's many different types, but there are particular types of this bacteria that produce compounds that specifically interfere with dopamine. And dopamine we know is important for attention, for focusing, um, for has a regulatory effect over you know, the vasculature and the body and these types of things. And imbalances in dopamine can be problematic. In fact, imbalances in dopamine can go anywhere from just affecting attention to being linked to Parkinson's disease. So there's a wide spectrum there. And these are things that are underappreciated in conventional medicine because they don't completely understand the functional aspect of the gut and the relationship to the brain. And they don't oftentimes do the right type of laboratory testing mm -hmm. to identify these things. So that, that's a huge one. In fact, what I'm talking about, the way these compounds are tested for is something called an organic acids test. An organic acid is simply a compound that has carbon and hydrogen as part of its you know, molecular structure. And all, we all produce these organic acids. 
naturally as part of our metabolism. But then we have organisms that live in our gut that produce their own organic acids. And some of these are toxic to our body. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, a big compartment, a component of what I do in practice is organic acid testing, food sensitivity testing, for example. Because I've seen just, let's take an autistic child, for example. I've seen kids who are completely non-functional, no language, poor eye contact, antisocial, sometimes aggressive, self-injurious. And when you deal with their gut toxins, okay, in, in certain cases, mm-hmm. a lot of that behavior changes. You'll all of a sudden have a child who can start conversing. You'll have a child who can start focusing. You know, it's not to say it happens in all kids at the same level, mm-hmm. but it definitely happens. And that is a known phenomenon of what we do in understanding these types of chemical compounds that come from the digestive system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say, you know, if we, if we have, if, if your child or your parents or, or you have good days and bad days, that means we have inflammation. That means something is, is turning on that immune system and the, the gut is always the number one place to kind of get the best idea of what's happening with that. And especially, now, um, you know, I had a conversation with uh, last week with a, a, a um, I believe he was eight or nine years old, and, and we were talking, man, that kid knows a lot about the immune system. He studied, you know, COVID has brought this awareness of, you know, yeah. hey, Dr. Todd, what do I need to do to make my immune system better? And I'm like, God bless you, kiddo, you know, you're, you're looking under the right rock. So, no, that's fantastic. Well, Doc, thank you so much for your time. I don't want to take up a whole much more of your time, but what is the best way for people to, to find out more about what you do in your programs? Let us know what's the best sure. way. So there's a couple, uh, a couple ways. So I actually have an interactive website for parents and caregivers. Uh, it's called Autism Recovery System. So autismrecoverysystem.com. And there's you know, educational material, there's video, there's, there's articles, there's actually an interactive forum where people can post me questions. And, and that's, that's not a website that's just for parents with autistic kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that could also be for parents who have, I have plenty of parents on there who have kids with ADD, ADHD, mm-hmm. or language processing disorders, or, you know, other things. I actually have some adults who are part of that. It's just a way for people to get more informed, post some questions to me. So autismrecoverysystem.com is a great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my own practice, if, you know, I have my own practice. If people want to, you know, consult with me directly uh, called Sunrise Functional Medicine. And then we actually have um, a, a course that's coming up starting in March. And it's, it's on the concepts of what's called biomedical intervention, which is a fancy word for functional integrative health, diet, nutrition, testing. Uh, and pe- right now we're building the website for that. So if people want to get information on that course, they can text the word biomed, B-I-O-M-E-D. They could text that to 66866. Uh, and that course will be, that's going to be extensive. So we're looking forward to that. And that's going to be material in that course is going to be for the parent with an autistic child, the parent with um, a child, teenager with ADD, ADHD, other special needs types of issues. As we mentioned, these are, to me, these are spectrum mm-hmm. 
problems, right? It's not just the diagnosis, it's what's going on underneath that. Mm-hmm. Right when we started, you would ask me the question about, well, what is what about that kid that's got like five of the six criteria, but they don't have that last one. What about them? It's like, it's the same thing, right? They're on the spectrum. They've got issues. They don't have to have every issue, but right. they've got issues that can be worked on. That's what you and I do mm-hmm. when we think about what is the, how th- should things work? How, how are things supposed to work? Mm-hmm. And just because somebody doesn't have every, doesn't check every single box doesn't mean that what we're talking about as far as health, nutrition, functional medicine won't work on them. Mm-hmm. It does. So you don't have to have every box checked. Okay. Right. So the autism recovery system website, mm-hmm. and then that, that uh, biomedical course, biomed to six, six, eight, six, six. There's also another website of laboratory testing access. It's called mm-hmm. lab tests plus. And so this is a website that is dedicated to providing access to many of the tests that are necessary for individuals with special needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the organic acids test, for example, or the food sensitivity test that I just mentioned. And when people actually order labs through that website, they come to us, there's a, a written analysis of the, the relevant markers and they what are called action step suggestions. Mm-hmm. So if they have any questions, they can, you know, reach out through the email of that website. But those are the three primary ways. Um, And I've got tons of videos that people can look up online as well. And so. Great. We will uh, absolutely have those links uh, to those three resources kind of tied into uh, both the, the video we're going to post and then also this is going to be posted as a podcast. So that's, okay. that's awesome. Thank you so much, Doc. Well, no, that's fantastic. I mean, I know, you know, I can't thank you enough for all the things you've taught me over the years. You're the one that kind of got me into the, got this itch going for me all these years ago, but no, thank you so much for your time, Doc. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. You are listening to the Dr. Todd podcast, where we talk all things related to ADHD and anxiety. This information is intended for educational purposes only and does not take the place of medical advice.